Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Whitney Scott. She's the Chief Marketing Officer at Campgrounds of America, or KOA, as you've probably seen the roadside signs. On the show today, we talk about what KOA is, a new brand that they've launched called Terramore Outdoor Resorts. And we also talk about how customer landscape is changing. I reveal also my desire to go touring around the country in an RV with my wife. You'll learn about that as well as glamping. What is it? How do people define it and how it's relative in terms of the definition to your own personal preferences of what you think camping is? So that and much, much more, as well as how she's using marketing to bridge to that new demographic that she's targeting and many other topics. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Whitney Scott. Whitney, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Alan. Glad to be here. Yeah, no, it should be a it should be a fun conversation. I'm probably going to share overshare with like my wife and I's desire to live in an RV at some point in the future. But but before we talk about that and all the good stuff that uh, Campgrounds of America has going on, um, I heard I should never challenge you to a hula hooping contest. And I have to understand <laughs> why that's the case. It's true. It's true. I have had a great experience with hula hoops and uh, so much so that as a 
kinder, it started in kindergarten. I won my elementary school hula hoop competition beating all other grades. And there is a pivotal photo in my parents' living room of me like hands raised on stage hula hooping and beating all the older classes hula hoop champions. So, and the photo never came down and all my my other siblings had like the accomplishments as they grew up but that one has stayed there. <laughs> you got an early start at success. <laughs> yeah, they were like, you can't beat that one. So. Uh, well, I will. I you you will not find me challenging you to a loop contest. That's for sure. It is not something my frame can sustain. Let's put it that way. So. Early hula hooping days in kindergarten, uh, you obviously went on and finished kindergarten and, and many other grades. What was your path to becoming uh, the chief marketing officer for Campgrounds of America? Yeah, so after high school, I went to Boston University, and I think my path really started there. I originally went into, I, I chose Boston University um, for the School of Communications, and wanted, I wanted to be a broadcaster. and. I took a PR class and I fell in love with the idea of public relations and how a story can change the course of pretty much everything. And storytelling is is so pit core to who we are as people that it just kind of flourished from there. And at the same time, I... Uh, was getting a technical degree from the Gemological Institute of America. And my idea at the time was that I was going to like work for De Beers or major mining companies and use marketing to get into those types of companies. And what, what I really found and is kind of like the core to my path is that once you learn marketing, you can adapt to almost any job and any industry that marketing is really core to everything. And so I just had to learn the industry and adapt my experience to it. And so I've worked in the gem industry. I've also worked in government and now I'm in camping. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, I totally agree with you. It, marketing is very adaptable. And because at the end of the day, we're talking about people on the other end, right? Like what makes them tick? How do you get them excited? To your point about storytelling, like how do you tell a good story? You know, what that story is about, your point is industry specific. But yeah, yeah, the, the tools of the trade, if you will, are all the same. Cool. I mean, that's pretty interesting. Like from gems to government to camping, you also don't just have one job right now. <laughs> if I look at LinkedIn, not only the CMO of Campgrounds of America, but you're also the COO of Terramore Outdoor Resort in Maine. Tell me about that. Yeah, so you're right. I wear I wear multiple hats. I, I um, it could be like bipolarism for a job, um, but it really start Campgrounds of America now oversees two major brands, which is KOA Campground and Terramore Outdoor Resorts, and this. Five years ago, we were really trying to understand where does KOA fall in this glamping trend? 
And through market research, what we really found is glamping is largely undefined. And there is a, and we had it on KOA campgrounds, but we, there was also this big market that didn't really feel like glamping could be at a campground and that there were these glamp grounds, I guess you could say, that were accommodation only. And we really felt like we could be that and develop this whole new brand. And it's a marketer's dream. So I, I oversee the marketing for that piece of it as well. But, um, you know, through, I think the having an MBA as well, the business part of it and the brand part of it, when you're building something like a a hospitality brand, the operations and the marketing have to be so parallel and in sync that the decision was made that I should do both. So here I am. (laughs) Well, it's a fun thing. I mean, you're basically, you've got like a little portfolio, if you will, of of brands that you're going to market with. So cool. So, and it's, it's, it's nice how they complement each other and how we can use the data that comes from each side of the business and the market research to really help set the strategies for both. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And every time I hear the word glamping, I'm curious what it, what it looks like for you guys, but I always think of these like really tricked out yurts, like, (laughs) like, uh, your rugs. That's what glamping means for you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Is that, is, is that on, on the mark or no, I've got it all wrong. Well, it really, the way I explain because people always ask me, what is, what is glamping? And glamping in my, from my seat really is whatever you think camping is. It's just whatever is nicer than that. (laughs) Because we have people that will come, you know, they're backpackers. And if you just give them like a hard-sided cabin shelter, they're like, that is glamping. Or an RVer might see, feel like a patio experience is glamping. But then there's also the person that's probably more of a leisure traveler that would say, unless I have like a copper bathtub and concierge service, service that's glamping. So that it's pretty broad. It is. It is. Well, I mean, it's a it's an interesting concept, and I get it. Like it's relative to what you're used to, or what you would, what that step up looks like for you. It's very personal. It's very personal, and which creates so many opportunities when you really look at it from a business perspective. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of different ways to segment the market based on what glamping appeals to you? What type of glamping appeals to you? Well, tell us a little bit more about Campgrounds of America. Like, How do you describe what it is you guys offer? Yeah. So Campgrounds of America Incorporated is a 60-year-old brand. Uh, We're celebrating our 60th year this year. And uh, we were founded on the banks of the Yellowstone River here in Montana, where I'm sitting. And it was by a gentleman named Dave Drum. And he had a piece of land and he was watching the Seattle, the Seattle Fair, World's Fair was going on. And he was walking, watching all these people down I-90 um, go to Seattle's World Fair and they were parking along roadsides and things like that. And he really felt there was an opportunity 
by having a campground and then going down the road and having another campground that he would refer to and creating a system of campgrounds for these people. And so that's what he did. And that was the basis of how KOA started. And so really from our humble beginnings there, we're now the largest organization of privately owned campgrounds. We have uh, 500 and over 523 campgrounds across North America and a combination of franchise and owned properties, as well as like we just talked about, uh, we've launched a, another brand more correlated to the glamping area called Terramore Outdoor Resorts. And it's all reunited under a common mission of connecting people to the outdoors and each other. Well, and you guys, I mean, I was on the site uh, last in last week and I mean, you've got all types, just like we talked about camping is kind of personal and or glamping, I should say, is very personal and kind of what your preferences and what your next step up is. When you say campgrounds, you've got a, like from tents to structures to RV parking as well. Like it's everything when you think about a campground is possible. Right. So there are so many ways to camp. So we have a, a type of camping for every type of camper at on KOA campgrounds. So we have tent sites, we have RV sites, we have camping cabins, and then we have deluxe cabins and unique accommodations. And then within those concepts, we even have certain types of amenities and services that are provided, you know, so even when you look at like RV sites, we have 50 amp, we have KOA patio sites, we have KOA um, paw pen sites where you can keep your dog off leash in its own little pen on your site. And we have, you know, as we look forward, we have things like sky decks um, that are on your site so you can get elevated above the campground and have, you know, views of your natural area. It sounds amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, so I'll share now because now we've talked about KOA and, and the RVing life. Um, my wife and I, I don't know if we'll ever co- go through with this because we're, we're not nowhere near retirement yet, but we've thought about once our kid gets into college, maybe a little after college, just selling it all, living in an RV, driving all around the world or country at least and uh and just doing our work wherever we are right because we live in these hybrid worlds today so um i may have to i may be a uh, a full-on koa influencer yeah part of my life well i you know we saw a ton of it through covid you know just people buying rvs and working from the road and the great thing about KOAs is we wi-fi is on every single campground uh, because we really feel it's like a utility more than amenity. And so uh, we we want to be able to support that, Alan. So come on. So it's possible. And and I'm not crazy. Uh, I'll tell my wife. And, and she she's actually pretty on board with it, too. The only thing is we have two not small dogs. And so living in an RV with two not small dogs, I'm not so sure about yet. So we'll see. But they're getting up, up in age. So we'll see what happens. But let's talk more about KOA. So 60-year-old brand, you've got two brands, if you will, but we can talk specifically about KOA. Like, how do you maintain and and keep that 60-year-old brand current, if you will? Well, it's often about leaning into the brand itself. So I think that there's a portion of owning who you are that's really important, but also making sure that 
you're not stagnant in your market and understanding the evolution of how your brand services not only its current customer, but your future customer. And that really for us has always been in the data. And then taking that data and looking at the plethora of marketing utilities that are available and making sure that we're utilizing the right mix of resources and the right placement of things with those right messages. So for us, I think it would all stem from understanding who we are today and where we want to go and utilizing what the brand has to help us fuel that. I mean, we're KOA is one of the most iconic brands in America. I I wouldn't even say I I have the research to show it. Uh, So, (laughs) I mean, 83% of people, the last time we did a brand survey, they may not have been able to to know what the KOA stood for, but they knew that the logo meant camping. And for us, that's gold. It's like the McDonald's arches. Well, and I I mean, I didn't know what it's, stood for either originally, but I, you see the signs on every roadside that you drive down. And so it, it definitely sticks out and uh, is a iconic uh, asset for your brand. You talked about, it's about knowing the customer and, you know, staying close to the data. How has your target customer changed over the years? I mean, 60 years is a long time. You probably don't have some of your original customers anymore, <laughs> but like, so how, how are they changing? It's changing rapidly. And a lot of it was fueled uh, through COVID. But if you go back to just 2016, 21% of our of campers were baby boomers. So in just five years, it's only 13%. And we're seeing large influxes in the millennial and Gen Z area. And across our data, And across, we do a report every year called the North American Camping Report. And this is, we not only utilize that data for ourselves, but we actually publish that data for others to utilize. And because we feel, you know, rising tides help. So uh, float all boats. And so it's really, it's really important to see the change in just camping at large. You know, we're seeing um, demographics around ethnicity changing, you know, within five years, camping has been traditionally white for a really long time. And so the influence and, um, entrance from other, other groups has been astounding and, and very positive. Same with like same sex households, et cetera, as well as being more kid oriented. And we see that a lot in the RV market, especially, it used to be you retired potentially and then got the RV, but we're seeing more and more younger families looking at RVing as a way to, to travel more often. And I think some of that comes from the perspective of instead of being seeing camping as the activity Camping is more the accommodation style, I would say, to whatever activity you want to do. So maybe I want to go to a festival. Am I considering camping or am I, same with skiing even? It makes a lot of sense. And I. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Like I was uh, contemplating a job that would take me to, <laughs> to New York a lot. And you may think this is crazy, but I was, I was like, there has to be a cheaper way to go to New York as often as I would have to go, right? And I literally, we, my wife and I had this idea about an RV and there's literally, literally an RV park in Jersey City right across from Manhattan. And I was like, this has to be crazy. How is this even possible? Uh, but you can literally go visit somewhere like that or on a beach or a festival, like you said, and, and there's a campground most likely nearby. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you say that. So one of the closest places to the Grand Ole Opry is our Nashville KOA Resort. It's literally, I mean, you could you could walk there and it's it's crazy, but you just don't think about how that camping could just be the accommodation type. But because of COVID, a younger generation, we see we see a lot more people changing how they're thinking about camping versus we're just going to go camping. Right. Well, and I, I think there are other trends too. I mean, COVID is huge, uh, and I imagine, and I'm sad, sad to know that I'm not on a like not a leading person going in this drought. But my ego aside, there's a lot to people choosing to curate the things that they own to a smaller degree. You could call it minimalism, or or just getting back to basics, and and then height and heightening the experiences. To your point, like things I want to go do in the world. And it's so much easier if you can just take your house or your accommodations with you <laughs> wherever you go. It's like a little hotel on wheels and it's all your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's home, uh, home on the road. That's really interesting how the demographics are changing. How are you keeping up with what they need and want? We talked about Wi-Fi, which I did not know, but I'm really happy to know you've got Wi-Fi. But what, what else is changing in terms of how how you accommodate them. Yeah. Wi-Fi is definitely an important piece of the, the puzzle from a changing demographic or just how humans are living, really. It's, it's a utility. And what we find with Wi-Fi, which is interesting, is because people always say camping is to disconnect. And so there's, there's a whole host of people that are like, no, don't bring the internet of things into the campground. But what we find in the, in our research and through our campgrounds is that Wi-Fi actually helps people take more camping trips and stay longer because they can be connected while they want to disconnect. So they're not off the grid. They can check emails and then get back to their life or they can take a Zoom call or whatever. 
and they can still be outdoors and have that breath and that away feeling of getting outdoors and disconnecting. So Wi-Fi is a, a, an important piece for the future. I think what else, what you know, we're seeing is kind of environmental sustainable factors, like how can we integrate solar power into campgrounds? And that's, that's a, not only just sustainable, but that's also something that our campers are looking for, for companies to do. Um, You know, our Tucson campground has these huge solar shades over RV sites, and they actually act in the summer to help lower the temperatures for the RVers below. Um, So they're not only powering the campground, but they're helping the actual experience on the campground. And I think there's so many innovative things that we can do when you're, you're looking at sustainability as a, not only a way to be sustainable, but an innovative way to develop and actually help the experience be better. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, I, Never knew you could do that. Well, how, um, as you think about marketing to a broader demographic of people, um, varying degrees of what they're interested in and how they camp, how has like technology or different go-to-market strategies played a role in your marketing that you're doing today? You know, it's, it's really interesting because I think what we naturally have done in the, as marketers over the past decade is we more and more go into your digital strategy. And one of the the things that is really important, and I will always say it goes back to the data, and the data shows us that there's there's still really high importance on the out-of-home. So when we look at our own research, well, (laughs) billboards alone, in in 2021, 14% of new KOA campers found out first became aware of KOA because of billboards. So if we, you know, think about the impact, if we were like, everything's going digital, you know, we, the, your physical environment still has a very important place. And so what we talk about from marketing strategy is how do we match the consumer journey from a physical and digital perspective? Because I may pass a, KOA billboard, which is like, oh, there's a camp, you know, there's a campground there. I didn't know that. And then how do we maybe catch them in the funnel in different ways? And we have to remind ourselves that, you know, it takes about seven times of seeing something before we start considering it um, and it making an impact. So we have to have the right cross of marketing strategies to really facilitate that. And understand kind of the roadways that people will take to reach that kind of seventh pass of KOA entering into your life. Um, so I think the, the out of home is, is really important to within a digital strategy mix that we're really always having to be cognizant of. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And it, if you think about like largest unicorn direct to consumer brands that we hear about in the news every day. I mean, many of them have opened retail stores um, or use out of home when they've, when they start to broaden their awareness to various groups. So it's really important tactic. (laughs) It is. I I always, you know, I, I've always been fascinated by, you know, the, the 
big internet companies that then go into like a brick and mortar store so that you can, you know, the rent, the runway has like a brick and mortar place where you can try out clothes. But there's something while we live in the internet of things, you know, we still, there is still such a tactile place. There's, it's a reason why the sandwich, sandwich board on a New York city street still has a a high impact for restaurants, right? So it's just understanding how that placement interacts with your your digital present. No, oh, it makes sense. I, I love the pun that you were using. I don't know if you recognize it, but the roadways that people are traveling on the digital highway, if you will, to uh, to find KOA in the in the real world as well. Well, I mean, you've got a lot going on. I mean, you. Two brands, uh, concepts, if you will, in in play, changing demographics, you know, keeping a sixty year old brand fresh and relevant, adding technology to improve the experience, like Wi Fi and other things, solar, etc., and this complicated marketing mix, if you will, of digital and physical. It's a lot. Any thoughts as to like? big learnings that you've had in this, in this role that other people listening to this might take away and they go, Oh yeah, I should, I should think about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, processes being super important, right? I wouldn't say we're perfect at it. (laughs) There's always room for process improvement, but especially in as marketers, even if you look at the landscape of like social media and with every new entrant from a social media perspective, you know, you from Twitter to Pinterest to TikTok, you know, like you just, there's so many platforms that brands have to be on. And how, how do you scale your presence without like cutting your margins from an overhead perspective. So it's really important to be specific and do a few, you know, know which ones you want to do well and understanding that every single one of those platforms has a different strategy and making sure it's lining up to the markets that that's there or you want it to be. And I, I, it's just such a a scale and process is probably the hardest thing to do when you look at the marketing technologies and opportunities out there, I guess you could say. No, it makes sense. I mean, and I think it is good advice to focus in those areas. And and to your point, like prioritize where you're going to double down and where you you might not, you know, because it just isn't a good fit for whatever reason, or we'll do a little bit, but we're not going to go too far in that channel. Yeah. That's good. I love it. I love it. One of the things we like to do on this program is to get to know you a little bit better. We know you are not to be challenged in the hula hoop ring, but I love asking um, the next question I'm going to ask you is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Yes, there definitely is. I would say one of the biggest pieces of my past that has made me who I am today is when probably going over to Israel and working for a while and working within a a brand new culture and a brand new environment and having that experience of adaptation really has helped me be nimble now or 
just be comfortable with the uncomfortable because sometimes you just have to say the things or you don't know things intuitively. And so it's helped me be able to just ask questions that potentially I would never have asked before. And I think it's actually helped me get to the position that I'm in now is that you just become a little comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that's really where the good stuff happens. I once had a professor that was talking about like conflict and like not making waves of things. And he said, a good foundation is made from mud. And that's all he said, but it was profound in the fact that like the the dirtier we get or the more uncomfortable things are, that's where change happens. And that's usually where the best movement forward happens. <laughs> I love that. And I really like that saying, a good foundation is made from mud. Very ins- insightful. Well, if you were starting this journey all over again, what advice would you give your younger self? I would say challenge old ways, not old people. I think that sometimes people <laughs> fresh out of college, <laughs> you're that would be the biggest piece of advice I give myself is like, don't attack the person because you you come out of college with all these like fresh technologies and ideas. And sometimes how you present ideas or how you want to change things, you put up to a person and it's more that you're like, Oh, I see this process that can be improved or this, like, you know, like talk to me about how we're thinking about this strategy instead of like, oh, this person doesn't see it correctly. Um, that that would have been helpful early on. <laughs> I'm not going to elaborate I'm, on why. No, I, I get it. I get it. But I'm seeing mud <laughs> involved. But no, no, that makes sense. And I think it's, it's comical to say challenge the old ways, not the old people. But like, it's perfectly true. I think I had that issue too, frankly, and probably wasn't even that young <laughs> when I realized realized that it's about the process, not the people. Right. And, and may, you know, when you don't, what I found from the experiences that I did had is that when you approach it more from like, hey, tell me about this, they can become your biggest advocate as long as they don't have to feel defensive. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. A hundred percent. I'm like hiding behind my own hands right now. Cause I'm like, I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's so true. So true. Is there a topic that either you think marketers need to learn more about, or you're trying to learn more about yourself? Yeah. Well, right now I'm <laughs> to be on, to be really honest with you, uh, right now, um, my own docket, I'm really trying to learn the entitlement process of development and how it can change from state to state and that that has to be more from the operations perspective. But from a marketing perspective, I would say I would really lean into the fact of of going to the numbers side of things. When, When marketers can correlate their work to return on investment, whether it's You know, what I found has been really helpful is the more I got into the business side, the more I could make cases for marketing initiatives or why we needed to change strategies because I had the tools to think through the budget impacts 
not just from like, it's going to cost this much, but if I put this technology in place or if I go to market with this kind of strategy, forecasting increases in customers, like showing how my marketing strategy should impact the revenue cycles was pivotal. And putting that into practice from a planning perspective has been really helpful is like, what, what, what are you actually, what it, not just what the spend is, what do you think the return on this is going to be has been really important. I think more marketers need to lean into the numbers and potentially into their research a bit more. Yeah, I agree. And I had on your first topic you were talking about with the entitlements, it took me a minute to understand what you were talking about, but you're talking about like getting new um, new spaces when you're expanding. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. You got to know the business, both yeah. inside and out, right? Not all about right, marketing. Exactly. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I love it. Marketing is everything. <laughs> well, well, and I totally agree with you. Like knowing the business levers or the revenue cycle, like how you're going to impact that revenue cycle, I'm hugely vital to your point. Like, um, I don't know how marketers are successful without that, you know, full stop. And that's probably in some cases why CMOs, you know, have gotten, you know, have a, a reputation in the general market of having short tenures is, um, I think many people probably over overlook that step. I would say, yeah. And, you know, a very like my um, micro example of that is we would put in cabins. You say, okay, we're going to spend however many hundreds of thousand dollars putting in cabins on a campground. And our, you know, at the time, this might've been like five or six years ago. At the time we put them in, we open up reservations and literally there would be, you know, a finance meeting where they'd be like, why aren't these selling? And so, but if we, we could <laughs> step back and it take, we had to explain the process, the consumer awareness. So it, we, what we'd learned and what we could prove is that, okay, well, it takes about 14 months of us starting marketing initiatives to actually create enough awareness to, to create the occupancy we were expecting. So now we're saying, okay, don't build in revenue operations into your budget until we open reservations and can start marketing them for, you know, like 14 months in advance. So it's like, we have to have that knowledge base, but otherwise it's going to come back as marketing as you haven't done your job. Now it's that process back and forth that we can really facilitate better budgeting and then save our jobs. Right, right. Well, and help educate the rest of the business on how the market works too. Uh, yeah, yeah. So good for you. Well, um, two more questions for you. More on the marketing front. Are there brands, companies, or causes that you follow or you think other people should take notice of? Yes, for sure. So <laughs> I think... When when people talk about brands that they follow, it's often geared towards what they love in life. <laughs> so one of my biggest brands that I follow is Delta Airlines. And just their, their, from a loyalty perspective, um, their Sky Miles program, I really 
enjoy watching how they communicate, where they communicate, what they communicate. And obviously I am a Delta customer, but loyalty is is such an interesting topic because I often hear that the younger generations don't believe in loyalty programs. And I don't agree because I feel like our younger generations love subscriptions and (laughs) everything is a subscription. And so it's just a different way to message it, but it's kind of the same. It's actually a better revenue flow than traditional loyalty programs. So it's interesting to see I like to follow things like Kachava being like a subscription versus like Delta, which is like a traditional loyalty program. And kind of seeing how different and how similar some of those bigger loyalty, traditional loyalty programs work. And then these new age kind of like subscription programs like a Kachava or I just had a baby and now like Coterie, um, which is a diaper company. But I think watching older, especially sitting at KOA, watching older brands evolve and then watching these kind of like new startup brands emerge is that juxtaposition is so interesting. And I love the facilitation of new technologies and just kind of like old school programs. Having to steer those ships is fascinating. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about that, the linkage between, say, loyalty programs and subscriptions, but you're right. Like it's very, very similar <laughs> in a lot of regards. And even some, like, there's a retail brand that I just, like, a direct consumer brand for workout attire that I have gone like head over heels for and like have like three different outfits. I can't justify buying another outfit just because I don't work out that many times in a week. But they're so comfy. They are. And and I keep getting like, oh, we got a new short available or we've got a new pullover. And I'm like, I check it out. I go to, I look at all the tech specs, like, because it's a very like tech oriented brand. Anyway, I am like, and they've got me. And, and they have a loyalty program too, but I didn't think of it in a normal loyalty program sense. So it, it's interesting. It's I think, yeah, I totally think subscriptions are the new loyalty programs. Like, and we just don't know we're falling for them. Yeah. <laughs> Sneaky marketers. Yeah. Well, last question for you. What do you feel like is either the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today? There's so many, so many things here. <laughs> Um, I think one of the largest opportunities or more exciting opportunities really is the metaverse. So it's like a whole different, it's like a, a new door of marketing has opened and is it's super exciting. The possibilities there or how, how our strategies will evolve there. But I also think it's a threat um, on the other side is that, you know, if we're not thinking about it from a your business's marketing perspective, are you missing out or will you be far behind? Or, you know, is it right for you? You could invest a lot and you could just be before your market is ready to be there. So I think it's both. And we do, but I think it's super exciting. I could totally see a KOA campground in a virtual world like that just makes perfect sense like that should already exist well it does at campground of the future.com <laughs> but uh yeah no it's it is it's it's a it's an exciting the fact that you can like order a subway sandwich in the metaverse and it 
it ends up on your door is, is super cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is, that is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Well, I totally agree. I like the metaverse is something I'm trying to figure more about myself and just try to understand it to your point. Like is, who is it right for and, and why? And, and, I mean, the big question is like, how does it evolve over time? Because we're just at the very, very, very beginning. Whitney, this has been fun to talk about all things camping and many other topics. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I have had a great time as well. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to marketing today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 